Welcome to episode 695 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, I team, welcome along to episode 695 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? You were telling me before the show you had a you had a, a good moment when you started to write to, to the studios today. I'm having, I was about to have a very bad day and it turned into a good day. I nearly lost my watch yesterday. Rushed away from my junior coaching and uh, threw all the stuff in the car and I knew I'd put my watch in my bag, well I thought I had. Went to grab it last night, wasn't there. Searched high and low, couldn't find it anywhere. It's cursing, didn't want my Sunto 9 to be missing. And went to the pool this morning, saying, so Guys, I haven't got a watch. My counting's a bit off, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't take the times. So the, the, the clock on the wall at this pool wasn't working. The Pioneer. The Pioneer. Sharpen up. Sharpen up, second session in a row. Came about to come around here, went to put my bike shoes on inside my bike shoe. Oh, thank God for that. It was a good start to the the podcast that is because what's the worst thing you've ever lost that would be up there it's an expensive watch like, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 it is so that, that would be that would be right up there i once lost a journal i wrote a journal every night i've done it for years and i lost a journal and it's probably the worst thing we've ever lost i've, I've lost a lot of things in my time john mm, but passport yeah you lost yeah, that. yeah yeah i lost the passport yeah. that's right but journal because you can't get that back no you know you can replace the passport but memories john can't I know this is a bit of a slow start to show. Hey, we're when, on fire. When you mentioned passports, if you get a chance to watch Joe Skipper, I don't know if he's told us the story, but I saw a thing with him the other day. Uh, I think it was on Global Triathlon Network, and it was an interview in Kona. And they were, they were, he was telling all the Joe Skipper stories. And one of them was he was going to a race early in his career, didn't have his passport with him, or forgot his passport, <laughs> and he was over the other side of the country, and he knew it was in his flat, he got a guy to take it down to the train station and put it on the train. And so he knew which train it was coming in. He just jumped on the train at the other end and grabbed his passport no off No way. Yeah. So it was like sitting on a seat. Yeah, he probably put it on a shelf somewhere. So it was in carriage, whatever. And uh, he went in there and just grabbed it. And then he tried it again and it didn't work. He forgot it another time. It didn't work. Somebody had picked it up and handed it in. And then he was screwed. Oh, it's gold. Okay, I took is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And his name of you, Jumbo. Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt. We've got Paul, the creator Yates. And Mike, the farmer of Fox Hewison. If you want to be a patron, make sure you support the show. This week's show, guys, we've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a uh, hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We have got Jordan Bryden. He won Ultraman Hawaii, the World Championships, over the weekend. Uh, winger of the week. Uh, you've taken out something. Have I? Oh, you get corner. Oh, no, we're having that. Get well, we'll it. see how time goes. Okay. It's good content. It's good. It's good content, but that, that could save it. Uh, we're going to the questions now. John, I'm in Western Australia. How about that for a fast day? It was a fast day. I put a post. Uh, so I'm in Western Australia. was at the weekend. The, the winners went extremely fast. New course records. I put a post up on our Facebook page to ask people, why, why was it so fast out there? Uh, and we had a few good replies. Brad Martin said, plenty of wind on the bike, and I rode sub five hours. The second 90K saw an increase in the wind from 10 kilometres an hour to 17, and it changed direction too. I felt it more in the second half of the ride than the first. Wait a second. So he's saying there was, tail, there was a tailwind or a headwind? Well, it just moved 
moved around a bit. I think it's it's really flat and fast, and the wind, there was definitely wind. Uh, but we'll get to his, his sort of second points. Um, water had some chop, nothing too serious. Saw plenty of cyclists working together to ride faster. Some draft legal, many not. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest advantage is the faster runners missed most of the heat that appears after about two p.m. Just an opinion. Okay. Uh, and a few other comments around that that the course was pretty accurate. Um, Karen Birch said great conditions, mostly favourable wind, and it's a flattest course out. There was some talk of a swim boy being moved during the swim to correct the course. Not sure. Um, and yeah, most of them are saying it got pretty hot in the, for the age groupers, and that's what I looked. I looked at the results and saw you know, Brownlee crushed it, Teresa Adam crushed it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I was looking through the age group results. And, uh, a few fast ones there, but not that many fast ones. Considering the, when you look at the course records that have happened, mm. you know, both overall, but also bike course records, and I think Brownlee got the run record as well. So when you look at that, you're thinking, geez, it's, it's like when the Kona fast day, all the age group is like, oh, I killed it today. Yeah. You know, whereas this wasn't necessarily the case. And, 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 you and several were saying it gets a lot hotter in the afternoon. Uh, and so the pros, you know, the guys that are going sub eight, etc., cetera, uh, are probably missing some of the, the worst heat of the day. I think... Western Australia starts really early. It might be like 6 o'clock start or something like that. Oh, I, okay. I might have that wrong, but I, I seem to think that might be right. Okay, so let's look at the boys' race first. Alistair Brownlee took it out in a pretty complete performance. It was. Uh, so swam 46.29, uh, biked 4.10 and ran a 2.43 uh, for a total time 7.45.20, new course record, winning by 10 minutes over Matt Burton, which was still a great performance by him. He ran a 2.46 and, and uh, rode a 4.12, so very impressive. Uh, I, I said last week I thought Brownlee might go out there and crush it, and I was wondering if it was going to be an individual time trial. Uh, it wasn't. Um, he had company of Sam Appleton in the swim and the bike. Sam Appleton blew a bit on the run and only finished in fourth place, but it would have been nice for Brownlee to have some company. There was no live coverage, so I don't know if that company was Sam Appleton sitting 10 metres behind him uh, all the way through, or whether he did actually take some turns on the front. Such a shame. They do such a good job with the live coverage, but then when you get to an event like this when you really want to see Brownlee in action, uh, there's no live coverage, which was a bit mm. of a pain. Uh, so yeah, complete performance. I kind of think it doesn't give me any confidence for his Kona performance. It's like, oh, wicked, you've done a really solid Ironman there, um, but it's not Kona. And uh, I well, you but, take but, confidence but, from it. Yeah, you but, do. But also his Cork time last year was pretty similar to this. He had a pretty yeah. complete race as a TT yeah. all time in, in, in Cork earlier early this year. Yep. Um, and so... But, but to me, it's good because it means he's turning up to Kona. Mm -hmm. Now we know he's going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to watch the next kind of 10 months to see what happens with his career. Will he get to Tokyo? Um, and if he doesn't get to Tokyo, does that mean there's a bit more higher chance of him being competitive in Kona? I definitely think so. Yeah, because he can he's just go, okay, short course is finished. Now I get to be an Ironman. Um, whereas if he goes to Tokyo, I don't expect him to do that well in Kona post-Tokyo. Mm. If he doesn't go to Tokyo, you know, he's yeah. a contender. Yeah, definitely. And he shows he can do the speed, which we kind of know anyway, but... Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I just add such an element, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's like putting your hand in a bag of fruit bursts, you just don't know what flavour you're going to get. Don't know what flavour uh, you're going to get. Really impressive third place as well by Tim um, Van Berkel. Uh, he also ran 2.46 to come home in eight hours. Uh, Sam Appleton was faded to fourth and Clayton Vettel fifth. Uh, Cameron Brown, he DNF'd, he was uh, storming well through the, the field. Oh, he, he was well off the pace, um, but then he did come storming through the field on the run. Oh, was then, he? But then, yeah, I think he, ran, he was running himself, he was up to like 
seventh or something like that uh, and running a good pace but then uh, he pulled up with an injury and he wanted to save himself for the rest of the season so Fair yeah enough. interesting results some some good races there for second and third as well okay so then we had the females race and John Teresa Adam how about that bike ride crushed it swam yeah. 50 24 and then rode a 4 32 52 that's averaging just under just over no just under 40 kilometers an hour which is bloody impressive uh, ran a 309 which is you know it's a bit slow but when you've got a, a well, big well, healthy well, elite now does she have the ability to run way faster she's, she's, she's got the ability to run a, a low three. three well I can pull up some of her results in a minute okay. uh, but new course record for her as well uh, 838.42 bloody fast Fast day. I'm going to talk for you records. But Sierra Pampiano uh, was looking awesome. They did have a couple of clips on the Twitter sort of feed of her, of her running. She was uh, running up a storm. She ran 259.51. We had two sub three hour performances because third place, she's got a cracking name, uh, Groots Frads Loraldi from Spain also went at 258.33 for an 8.49, so we had two, four, five, six, six females all under nine hours. You don't see that that often, especially when, um, you know, these these athletes here aren't necessarily, you know, um, many of them are not top five Kona people and only a couple of them, only Sarah Pampiano has probably been in the top 10 in Kona, so fast day at the athlete, at the office for the pro athletes. So just one thing, going back to Therese Adam, um, she does get the ability to take the, the Kona slot, but they aren't being accepted to Monday's awards ceremony, so we're not quite oh, sure right. if she's taken it. So Because yeah. she did not do Kona last year. She, if we look at her results, she hasn't had a long career, but she's been very successful. She's had a second Ironman New Zealand, one Ironman Cairns, second Ironman New Zealand this year, one Ironman Cairns again, and now one Ironman Western Australia. She did go to Kona in 2018 and got 18th. 18th in a 9.12 uh, it'll be interesting to see you know she, if she takes a qualification if she's going to go back because she's someone who potentially could be a top fiver yeah I think top five would be a push but definitely not you know, top three but yeah. I think she could get a fifth but she's um, definitely got top 10 capacity. Top five would be a really solid day. But the advantage she's got is she's a really good swimmer, so she's going to be able to ride with that sort of lead group. Uh, and when you're riding a 4.32, you're probably going to keep up. Uh, it's just whether she can run quick enough. She ran a 3.02 last year in Cairns, uh, uh, or this year in Cairns. And, yeah, so she's not a sub-3er, but she's a, a low 3 So probably a little bit subpar run, but still pretty bloody impressive. Although maybe she, she, she had it. You yeah. know, like, you know, it's hard to know what's happening at that moment. She, she of the race. ended up only winning by uh, four minutes from Sierra Pampiano. Uh, Groots Frads Loralde was uh, third from Spain, and uh, she, one person I said I didn't think she'd be racing because she, I'm pretty sure she raced the weekend before, uh, and her times are all red, which indicates she didn't have the greatest day, but still went sub nine. Was uh, Agnieszka Jerks from Poland? Uh, she went eight fifty seven for fifth place, but you to. To, to Teresa Adams' credit, 4.32, you compare that to someone like Kimberly Morrison, who's often got the fastest spike splits at any race she goes to, she was two minutes quicker than her. So yeah. bloody impressive. Go you Kiwi. Go, go you Kiwi. Um, also, an age grouper we mentioned a while ago, I think in Kona where she crushed it, Ruth Purbook uh, went a 9.17. And again, that just shows the difference between top quality age groupers and, and, pros. and pros. Yeah. Uh, we had um, Ironman Almar de Plata, Plata and it's in Argentina and we got a bit of feedback. It's an age group only race but we got a bit of feedback from Terry, the dirty little secret and he was just saying, what was he saying, Jumbo? 
Well, firstly, just the results. A couple of results for the, the, the race. The 2024 20 age grouper, Thomas Galindez, took it out. He swam a 43. The swim did get shortened. Um, the, he biked 450, and he ran a 306 for an 845. And as you're about to hear, it's not an easy course. That's bloody impressive time. Uh, he only won by a minute from Peter Pichoff, and uh, he went 8.46. So the first four guys went sub nine, and Terry went over there all the way from uh, Switzerland, and he just finished uh, hard today. race. Absolutely epic. The wind was insane. Never had such windy conditions. The swim was short, about three uh, k. It was only sixteen degrees, which is pretty fresh for a uh, uh, outside degrees. Was only eleven. Uh, it warmed up during the day, but only to about seventeen. That's quite <laughs> at one stage nice headwind. It was riding headwind, riding to power. 15 k's an hour. Nice. That's sensational. So windy conditions. He said he hasn't uh, never ridden a course as difficult as that. The run was the same. Very windy. Running against the wind. Uh, running against the wind. Great song, by the way. Running against the wind. <laughs> it was very tough and mentally very challenging and tiring, but we had great views, so it was a beautiful course. It's a small but competitive field. Only about 800 participants. I must give a huge shout out to all volunteers who are amazing, always smiling and encouraging us over a very good uh and very good and epic experience. Um, I would it, say that was a regional championship. So if there was only 800 people racing, you had a good shot at getting a Kona slot. So we'll see if this race um, survives because you know, if they're only getting 800, I'd say that's below Ironman's threshold. If they're below 1,000, I think they'll be looking yeah. at races pretty seriously as to whether they, uh, they carry them on. They, they had dropped, no, it was this one that's getting dropped. Well, this was the one that last year it was a professional um, South, uh, South American Championships, and for whatever reason this year that got dropped and uh, oh, got okay. moved to elsewhere. They sort of redistributed the slots. He was just talking about how you know the, the wind kind of blew away his kind of time goals, but he's got here. It was impossible to think of a time, and it was depressing how slow the splits were. Epic Camp helped me a lot today. I'm much more tough and resilient now, but today was out of this world. So just some interesting stuff there. Um, so good times, rock and Oh, John, the big race we had over the weekend, also not with Western Australia, was Ultraman, the World Championships happening in, in it's in Kona, isn't it? Yep, it in is indeed. Kona. Uh, three day race. Uh, tell us what happens in each day, John. Well, uh, well, the first thing I'll say is it's great, and I think Rob Gray might have been behind this in terms of having a new website. Um, so they've pulled themselves oh, yeah. out of the, the, the 1930s. 1930s, and you can actually go on the website and find things. Uh, so Ultraman worlds.com is the website uh, so day one they swim 6.2 miles and bike 90 miles day two you bike 171.4 miles and day three you do a double marathon of 52.4 miles so quick summary of the race uh, Jordan Braden Bryden uh, took out day one in seven hours 57 he wrote, swam two hours 40 and rode a 516 um, so just jumped- looking at the results he basically won the race in the swim True. He, yeah. he really did. Like, if we look at race day, race day um, he basically swam. So, uh, Mark Plug Emo, how do we say his last name, John? Yeah, I'd say Mark Pui Amil. Amil. Um, and then Rob Gray. So, he was 15 minutes ahead of Rob, and he was basically 40 minutes, no, 50 minutes ahead of uh, Mark. And at the end of the day, every other, every other leg of the race, they were all kind of pretty much within reach of each other. Mm. Uh, so, he basically was. Well out front from the start, yeah, and just kind of holding on to the end. Geez, some people spend some some time in the water. There's plenty of four hour splits here, high three hour splits, uh, one five hour thirty nine split. <sighs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a long time to be in the water, and especially if you're wearing a wetsuit in a hot swim. So you are allowed to wear a wetsuit in this race. Uh, it, you don't need to. It's more just for buoyancy and and also probably helps with any potential jellyfish stings. Um, just one thing here, John. 
on on this, so some people like, for example, that person who did the five and a half hour swim, they didn't do the bike on that day, but then they did the bike on. So you can you kind of just come and go from this race, can you? Well, I don't think you won't get an official right official. No, result, no, no. But, but if you don't finish that, you can turn up the next day. And, and then, okay. But then at the end, you have a DNF next to your name. So, yep. uh, so leading the females race was only two. It was three female starters, but only two. Um, Pretty cool that on. only two races who competed it. But so close to each other at the finish. Yes, so Tara Norton was leading after day one with a nine hour 17 and she had a, an hour lead uh, over uh, Connie Dubin. So that was day one. Day two, they had the big bike ride and uh, Arnold Sulikov apparently took a flyer on the downhill hitting 101 kilometres per hour coming down from uh, Waimea. He rode a 7.56, which was the fastest split of the day. The other guys were sort of low eights uh, and the leading female was Tara Norton with a nine hour, 30 minute ride. We got an email from Rob, Rob about this. He goes, it's sad they're not here in Hawaii. We've just finished day two of Ultraman. No matter what happens tomorrow, the most impressive, ridiculous thing of the weekend is Arnold Solovkov hitting 101 kilometers an hour on the descent from Waimea to Kauai. Kauai High on the windiest day that I've ever ridden down a hill and he was also sent through another email which I just got before he passed the police car as he's doing it yeah <laughs> impressive like going 100k's an hour oh you're flying it's some serious speed I haven't cracked 100 before but I've got pretty close it's pretty scary too it is scary and it's but it's okay when you're in calm conditions and you've sort of got a bit more control when you're over there and you've got wind gusts oh. uh, it's some serious shit going on so uh Glad Arnold's uh, survived to make day day two. He suggested some nicknames: Titanium Balls or the Descender. Mm. You're going to hear about the run later on, um, but Mark uh, Pui Amil smoked it. He ran a 6:52. Um, Jordan Bryden ran a 7:20, and Rob Gray said he blew up and ran a 7:34. Uh, the women's race got uh, got serious on day three because Tara Norton looked like she was struggling a bit with a nine-hour 33 marathon, and she double uh, marathon. Double marathon, and Connie Dubin came home with an 8:17, so taking you know over an hour, and so it ended up being pretty close here at the end. But Tara Norton, former epic camper, came home and brought home the bacon. Two-time winner. I also had uh, Kirk Madden, and he was the first time ever winner. He was also there racing as well. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, we've got the interview with the winner of the race coming up really soon. So check but what's out. impressive about Kirk Madden is he finished eighth overall at age 64. Now, Kurt won it a few times, didn't he? Was he the old guy? Where was the guy who dominated it for years? Remember, it was the old guy and he just... Remember? Uh, no, I don't remember. Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there was a guy who was kind of like just a real legend. It might not have been Kurt, but um, there was a guy who was just like a rock, rock star and kind of each year he was there or thereabouts. Anyway, John, we have a couple of races coming up this weekend and we've got Bahrain 70.3 happening. We have, and so we've got a few short course athletes trying to nab a good result and uh, also nab a slot for 70.3 Worlds. So Christian Blumenfeld and Ben Canute are rolling up at Bahrain 70.3. And the Taupo 70.3, what might be really interesting is seeing Hayden Wild, our, one of our, he's our Kiwi short course star, oh, who's really doing it, made a name for himself at Super League and also uh, at ITU races uh, the latter part of the season. He's also doing it, trying to nab What's a, your a slot. Uh, I think he'll tear the race to pieces. Uh, so he's, he'll have Mike Phillips to deal with and a couple of others, but uh, I think he'll just go ballistic. I'm he's sure he's that kind of guy, and he's really strong on the bike, um, and hopefully Mike and that can hold on to him. And, and how you have, okay, he qualifies. How does he go at the Worlds? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, and he's a weapon on the bike, So and then he can he can run great. So I think he'll just go for go for broke and see what happens. 
Good times, good times. For all those people racing. I saw Mike Phillips the other day. I'm pretty sure I saw him. And he did the classic triathlete riding a mountain bike thing. He had all his triathlon gear on. Yeah. On a mountain bike. Yeah, mountain bikers give, give you grief about it. Well, that. no wonder. Yeah. Come on, Mike, sharpen up. Yeah. You're, you're a cool young man. Get your, get your baggy shorts on. And uh, the females race at Holly, uh, in uh, Bahrain. Uh, you've got uh, Holly Lawrence uh, is top seat, and also Jody Stimson, who's a short course athlete, along with uh, Lisa Norden and India Lee. So it could be could be a good race. Alistair Brownlee's name is down to to race there in Bahrain, but kind of think maybe won't. Who knows? Well, maybe yeah. You think after last weekend, and, and then you know. How many qualification spots will they have for pros? There'll be a, there'll be a, a couple, but when you're up against guys like Christian Blumenfeld, Ben Canute, Michael Weiss, uh, who'll be nice and fresh, even if Alistair Brownlee had a great day, he'd, be, he'd probably beat those guys on a, on a good day. Um, but when you've got an Ironman in your legs from week before, maybe not. No, especially because you try to go fast. Mm. You could do it the other way around. Yeah. Uh, Jombo, 70.3s. I mean, any other events that we need to mention? Uh, there was one other. That, oh, yeah, this was a bit of an odd one. The Aloha Man is on this weekend, so another extreme uh, race, and it's over in Hawaii. So interesting timing that they're doing it now, a week after Ultraman. I guess their strategy there is maybe you capture some of the support crew. Some people go over there, do support crew, and then a week later they're doing the Aloha Extreme Man. So for people that know Kona and Hawaii well, the swim is down at Harpuna, which is where uh, the 70.3 is held. Uh, and then you basically bike up the middle stretch of the island, uh, sort of going over the top to have a uh, helo. So it's climbing all the way, and then you turn around and you'll bomb, bomb all the way down. So you'll be pretty fresh coming off the bike. You will have had a long, long, long descent to come down and then the run you head up towards uh, Harvey and back so uh, it could be an interesting day have fun anybody that's going over there and doing it okay good times uh, John but let's talk about this discussion so I asked the question is is Ironman bad for the environment and what can we do about it and let's be honest we didn't get a lot of feedback on this one I think it's kind of obvious it is bad for the environment and we can yeah, there's, there's nothing good about it, about it for the environment, but I think there's things we could do could do better. Well, let's look at it. Lucy Francis, she's got here. I do drive in or fly to races, but as athletes who train in nature, we have vested interest in looking after the environment wherever we go. It does worry me of all the plastic bottles and disposable cups we chuck at aid stations. Where does this all go? I also like the idea of seeing some figures from the organisations at the end of the race. Uh, how much tonnes of rubbish do they collect throughout the race? How much of it is it recycled, for example? Joseph Mulhul, I man's impact on the environment is negligible relative to tourism as an industry and relative to global industry that's it a move away from wastefulness and plastics is generally a good idea uh wayne walker has got here what events sports entertainment could say is good for the environment uh the two biggest impacts have to be travel and wasted plastic compare that to other sports we have 50,000 plus in a stadium maybe 5,000 are away fans have tra- which have traveled miles with hundreds of teams playing each week and fans consuming all sorts of products with waste packaging if you're going to look at sports that have a bad environmental impact triathlon will be pretty low on the list um this is a good one. Lisa Camera. Uh, uh, several race experiences this season have had an impact on me. First was the London 100, which I think is a bike race. No plastic bottles were used at this century. Large containers at uh, both the expo and every water stop were used to refill water bottles provided by riders. Uh, conversely, at the Chicago Marathon and subsequent Richmond Half, I was so aware 
how the running community has none of the rules triathlon has about trash. It was everywhere. No regard at all to or attempt to contain it to water stops. The cleanup must have been massive. Uh, Neil Eddy here has got active travel. The fact that we run and cycle around instead of driving a lot of the time must offset CO2. We do, however, uh, as a collective, need to improve. Fine one, I'll do Kevin Smeltzer. Um, while I agree Ironman needs to do uh, a lot more regarding recycling, remember at the end of the day they are owned by a Chinese investment firm, so likely it's not a matter of interest, uh, not a matter of interest unless money is to be made. Uh, I'll go finish with Tony Hodge here. Easiest thing that could be changed is to stop using plastic cups at the aid stations. If trial run events can manage a no cups policy, why can't triathlon? Yeah, I've, I've thought about that. It's an interesting one because um, we've been over and done Embraman in France, and when we did that, we were only doing the Olympic. Uh, but in that race, uh, you did you carried your own plastic uh, cup around the run, and you'd refill it at aid stations. And I think that would work at races like that that are a bit more spread out. But you can get environmentally friendly cups. Yep, you can. Well, like with our runners, we used to use plastic, and we've gone to ones that are environmentally waiting for a sneeze. Waiting, waiting. Oh, there it is. Got it. Got um, but then do you, do you compost them afterwards or do you just put them straight into the tip? We put them in recycle. Okay, good. Yeah, so I don't compost them, but we'll, we'll put them in the process which then get it reused. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think at big Ironman races, like they, again, when people are just standing around and you're only having one or two people come past at a time, definitely practical, but as we know, in an Ironman race with 3,000 people racing, you know, you've got, 20 people coming through an aid station at once if everybody's lining up and queuing to to to, to get a drink of water is that going to be practical or not um so i would like to yeah i, I definitely think the recycled cups is a that's a no-brainer to me the biggest impact is travel isn't it oh yeah definitely. you know because you think of when i went to ironman hawaii i took my mother my dad and my daughter yeah. so four of us Travel to Hawaii, mm. you know. So to me, it's the, and you know, when you think of, you know, the guy's got fifty thousand to a, to like a local sports event. Well, probably Ironman probably brings thirty thousand people to a town. Um, 20, 20 to thirty. Most people are going to bring. A, if you get three thousand, no, I think that's a bit much. But yeah, regardless, okay. it's bring bring a lot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, but you can't, you're not going to stop people travelling to races, no. so it's probably more thinking what we But, but, but what one we thing do. we could say to improve is do more local races. Yes. Yep. You know, maybe for that person who's just travelling around all the time, maybe you want to say, okay, I just do one travelling race a year and then the rest of my races mm. are... So a couple of things I was thinking of being an event director as well is, uh, I was thinking yesterday, so I run about four, four, five, four triathlons during the summer and now three of them, everybody gets a swim cap at those uh, and then... As long as it's the same sponsor next year, they're probably going to get the same swim cap. So trying to get people to tick a box when they uh, enter, saying I'm using next year, last year's swim cap, just little things like that. Yep. I mean, again, it's 300 less swim caps that are, that a the event organisers got to pay for, um, and then uh, it's just one less thing. Recycling cups is a no-brainer. I think every race it should just be yeah should just be a company policy. I mean, I do that. I've just had mine turn up yesterday. <laughs> we had a funny story so we did use plastic cups on only on our long runs we put cups out just because runners can't carry all their nutrition uh, and one guy went off at us he pulled over and he goes what are you using and he got in his big four wheel truck yeah. <laughs> and blew all smoke out as he drove away yeah. and I kind of thought you've got a point mate but you're being a little bit of a hypocrite yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just, just looking at everything they do in terms of race bags you know like um, either not having a race bag when you don't need to trying to minimise whatever you've got to do try to again use recycled products there and then trying not to fill the race bag with crap so again I've got this half Ironman next weekend if people turn up to that they need to bring their own bag uh, 
uh, and they'll get given their timing chip, etc., and they can chuck it into a bag or they can just carry it away. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's, in terms of the, a lot of the consumables, plastic stuff, I think it's it's easy to just point the figure at Iron Man, but I think a lot of other event organisers can uh, can take a, a leaf out of uh, the environmental. And I do disagree course. with the person who said that it was a Chinese company. They're not going to give oh, a crap. That's crap. Yeah, they'll respond to what the audience will fight yeah. for. You know, so if, if we do start saying, "Come on, Iron Man," it's you know, plastic use where it's there are better options. Mm. Um, let's sharpen up. It's like even like look at Kess now. You know the um, at cafes now. Everyone has the the cardboard straws. Yeah. You know, now, in the big scheme of the environment, it's not huge, but the, really just it. those little little bit changes. You gotta get your keep cup, so then you don't use a cup at the the coffee. That's the right. Coffee shop. Do you have a keep cup? I have got a keep cup. Do you clean it? No, Belinda does, say. Oh, great job. She's a keeper. She's a keeper. She's a keeper cup. Uh, this week's discussion, John, we've got who are the best athletes who have not won Kona in both the current crop of athletes and those who have been there in the past. We've got an email here from Eric. Yeah, I was thinking while I was on the trainer the other day, is Lucy Charles at risk of being the next Andreas Raylert? I always think Andreas is the greatest that never yeah. um, was, or at least in Kona, and that he was just a victim of circumstances. He probably would have had at least one Kona title if it hadn't been unlucky enough to be racing in the era of Maka or Crowey. Same thing um, with countless of other women who were unlucky enough to be in their prime during the Chrissy era. Anyway, uh, the point is I know Lucy has age on her side, but it'll be interesting to see if she can... Uh, ever get to that top step not because she's not good enough just because somebody else is having a lights out performance I wouldn't write Lucy off yet no no. no but I think she's, I do think she's got a kind of win in her but mm. if she gets to the end of her career she'll be one of those names if she doesn't so okay so we just want you to kind of come up with the people in the current crop but also from the past who the best that never won Kona Okay, John Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. I see there's lots of Christmas presents under your Christmas tree, Bevan. Well, you know, well I'm going to talk about that later, John, but okay. oh, we're done. You're done? We're done with our Christmas Sweet. shopping. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is I think Extreme Endurance, if you've got, if you've got somebody you're struggling to buy, think of something for them to get for Christmas, if they're an athlete, a runner, a triathlete, etc., getting one of their products would be a great, uh, great way to just, you know, it's sort of that product... The, the, the amount of value you, you're spending on these is good pres- Christmas amount. Yep. Yeah, maybe about 50 bucks or something like that. Uh, one of the ones that might be a good one if they're somebody who struggles with sleep. We've got CD Deep Sleep. It's the organic hemp oil recovery sleep bed blend. They've got it in both a liquid format uh, and then they've also got it in a tablet format. So it's got uh, GABA in there, which has got a calming effect. It's got tryptophan, um, which can help also calm you down. It's got 5-HTP. It's got MCT oil and a nice peppermint flavor. So that could be something. Oh. Get a little gift pack if they're building up for race. That's actually really good because like extreme endurance, you're not going to get it for your wife if she's not in a triathlon. <laughs> but Probably if, but, not. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah honey, the, the, gift, the gift that's for you, eh? Have you yeah. been on that? Oh, yeah. I bought my sister Bross when I was a kid the <laughs> album. She hated Bross, but I really wanted the album. <laughs> but what you could do if your wife or your husband is not a very good sleeper, you're getting this. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Feel 5, you've got all sorts of things. So Christmas is coming. What is it now? It's December the 3rd. Uh, if you get it online now, I'm sure it'll turn up in time. So check it out, xendurance.com. And, uh, I really want to try that, that CBD. What is that? Yeah. CBD? CBD D- CB Deep Sleep. I want to try. I want to try. You're struggling with your sleeping, Bevan. No, I'm not actually. I'm a good sleeper, but I'm still, I'm still fascinated to try it. Mm. Joe, Joe was having weird dreams recently, and someone was telling her magnesium makes you have weird dreams. Mm. I don't know if it's true, but she was saying she was having some really weird dreams last night. John, mm. just about to go to sleep. You know when you, you you've just switched over. Mm. Joe gets a text. Mm. Then I could get to sleep for like forty minutes. Did my head in, John? 
get my head in. Anyway, uh, Extreme Endurance, xendurance.com. Check it out, not just for the CB Deep Sleep Oil, but for all their products. They've got a lot, great range of products, great service. Check it out, get some gifts for Christmas. John, one, two, three. Age Group of the Week. week. And Carl Mecca, he's called himself here. It's a Carl McLaren. Carl McLaren. McLaren. Uh, Hey, guys, it's Carl Mecca here from... Swansea in New South Wales near Tenby in IMM Western Australia. I'm no, really no, no, yeah, no, you know, I've, I've got to give you, I've got to get this right. Swansea's in South Wales. Oh, South Wales, Ten- sorry, where is near New Tenby, South Wales? which is in uh, Tenby is where IMM Wales is held. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm relatively new to the show, and I would like to say how much I enjoy it. So, thank you very much. Uh, keep up the good work. I also did my first Ironman Wales this year in a time of 12:36, which I was very pleased with. Well done. Congratulations! It's a big achievement. A friend of mine, Nathan Ford, is competing in Ironman Mexico, and I think you should look out for him as an age group of the week. He did Ironman Wales this year and came out first of all amateurs and eighth month with including the pros, with a time of 9.36. That's pretty bloody good. Uh, it'd be worth keeping an eye on his result coming next week, just to add his wife, uh, Katrin, uh, is also doing it. So, John, how did he go? Well, he did. So this uh, he sent this through a couple of weeks ago. Ironman Cozumel was the weekend before last, and Nathan delivered. He finished 19th overall, and this was a pretty bloody good pro field there. Uh and he finished first in his age group in 35 to 39. Nice. Eight hours, 40, 23, which was bloody impressive. Eight forty three twenty three. 23. Yep. Swam 43, Now, we know this race, the swim was, uh, wasn't short. It was just fast. He rode 4.40 and then ran a 3.12.05 for an 8.40.23, which was bloody impressive. It's actually and interesting looking at his results. He's really stepped up. So, like, we've, John's gone to endurance dash data here. Uh, Austria, he did 9.39, which is pretty good first time, man. Uh, Wales, he did 10.06. Lanzarote, he did 10.03. Then he did Hawaii, he did 9.19. So, he had a good night at Hawaii that year. Uh, but then Challenge Road did an 8.43. Uh, Canada was obviously a swim or something was wrong because they did 719, 718, and then an, uh, 936 in Wales, and then 840 in Cozumel. Well yeah, done. Very impressive. Uh, and he was second age grouper overall and beat uh, quite a few of the pro men. Nathan Ford's on fire. He is. That he was boy is on fire. Just behind uh, Carrie Lester, who did 838. So you were definitely right. Uh, Carl. Carl McLaren from Tenby. We should have watched out for him. We did, and he smoked it. So, Nathan Ford, you are our age group, group of the week. week. John Bo, we're going to get the uh, winner, Jordan Bryden from uh, the Ultraman World Champion, who just won the race of the last couple of days. We jumped on for an interview with him, and here it is right now. Right, guys, uh, as you heard earlier in the show, Ultraman Hawaii was on the weekend, and we are chatting with the male champion who went out there and crushed it. We, a few of the other regulars of the show were racing as well, and uh, they had their eyes on him, but he was uh, victorious. So Jordan Bryden from Canada, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be here. Um, I've, I've had a fair amount of communication with you over email. Um, Jordan uh, helps with a lot of design work for our Epic Camp gear and uh, various a multi-talented man. Yeah, various different camp stuff. So I've never actually <laughs> met Jordan, um, and I don't know too much about his background. So other than the emails we have, so can you maybe give us a bit of uh, you know your one or two minute elevator pitch in terms of your background, where you're from, and, and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So um, I started in the sport pretty early, um, kind of just fell in love with it. The uh, the ripe age of uh, eight years old and then kept going and enjoying it. And, you know, in the 
the younger years, I was very inspired by the, the Simon Whitfield era in Canada, and um, that really, I think, has made a, made for strong triathletes all, all across Canada ever since, you know, the Sydney Olympics. Um, but since then, I was uh, on the national team for a bit, and, you know, made my, uh, made my run towards hoping hoping to make the Olympics at some point, but eventually when that didn't happen, I, I found long course racing and, and kept going. And you're from Calgary. I coach a couple of people in Calgary. Um, it's not the most hospitable place for, for probably eight months of the year to train. Are you, are you still based there or are you uh, traveling around? Yeah, I travel a lot, actually. Um, I I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoy getting to go new places, explore new things, and I've definitely found some some great areas that I like to frequent again and again. And a couple of years ago, I kind of made the decision to um, to really just put myself in the the best position I could in terms of being able to go out and um, chase weather, good weather, when I had the opportunity, but also just to like to actually enjoy what I'm doing. So that meant um, eventually getting a uh, an old 1994 Dodge Ram and converting it and uh, living out of that for weeks at a time. And then just pa- this past year, I uh, I converted a, a newer Mercedes Sprinter and then um, pretty much frequent uh, half of the year in van life and half of the year uh, back in Calgary. What's that life like? <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, so the... Uh, the squad that I train with out of Boulder with uh, Julie Dibbins, um, you know, we, we, we get together for a few camps every year. And so obviously those are um, some of the highlight trips. But I also just like really enjoy, um, you know, heading down to Scottsdale or California or um, especially into the Okanagan in the summer um, in British Columbia. And uh, and it's good. I really just found a, uh, a passion for the simplistic kind of setup when it comes to to life and growing up with a, a family that was very into uh camping and um just being outdoors frequently it's something i just kind of fell into and really really felt that uh was a natural environment for me so um when i was looking through your results you know obviously you won at the weekend which was wicked um i think you might have done patagonia man last year and you've, you've i think you've won um the canada ultraman as well so you, you're obviously doing races where there's no prize money i see your race pro and other events so how much of a, of a you know pro how much of your life is the pro gig and how are you sort of supporting yourself yeah, um, well, tough on that Patagonia race last year. That was uh, that just happened yesterday as well, and um, mm. that was pretty cool to see because I sent a couple of my friends down there. But last year, I actually uh, I hit a pothole full speed, came down pretty hard on my face, and uh, I'm still waiting for the the nose surgery because I haven't been able to breathe out of my nose for a year. But oh. um, wow. the <laughs> the uh, the race down there was really something else. It was really it was kind of a special and unique situation. Unfortunately, it just meant learning to really dial it back and learn to recover from a concussion and all that that is about because it's definitely a lot different than uh, recovering from a standard injury. Um, you know, you have to be very patient and just working with Julie was good for that. But uh, to touch base back on your, your question, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think it comes to down to like one just having a passion for actually racing and um and enjoying what you do because i i've been in the sport now um well i guess coming up on 25 years in a row 
And uh, it's very easy to kind of get burnt out. And it's very easy to just kind of like put your head down and, and grind in uh, situations that that you just don't enjoy anymore. And you see, you see it a lot um, from other pro athletes that, you know, they might come in and have great performances for one or two years, but they may not actually enjoy the process of, of every step, every pedal. <laughs> so, so you won Ironman, um, sorry, Ultraman Canada. Uh, you're coming into this race. So you obviously know you're pretty competitive. What was your strategy going into the Kona race this year? Yeah, um, I guess I really, uh, I, w- I wasn't sure if I was going to, get into this race at first <laughs> um i i went to canada just to get uh, pick up the spot so that i could uh, race worlds um and the plan was to do it next year but uh, went down to kansas camp with uh with the crew before kona um well before the iron man world championships and i was rolling pretty well with some of the the guys on the team and julie just uh and i had that conversation uh, like maybe maybe we make it happen this year and uh use the use the fitness um that you have because you know obviously at that point um it, it, you take for granted sometimes the fact that you're you're able to do what you can do and just the gratitude that comes along with that because um you know matt hansen was dealing with an injury at camp and uh one of my good buddies mike who's on the team had a really bad crash and wound up uh, in the hospital with some big broken bones so it was the decision to come and race based on you know just just being able to express your fitness when you have the ability um the strategy going into the race was to um to to basically just turn the gears as much as you could um and go hard from the start and then hope that it was wearing on other guys by the time you got to the run day because i think everyone <clears throat> everyone knows that um rob gate or gray can obviously uh run a pretty good double marathon um and uh the hope was just to to really make sure that you i was pushing the swim and then pushing the bike to eat away at the the legs a little bit and then just keep one step in front every uh every step of that run so, so talk us through day one um distances you know you do the double double distance what was it 10k swim and then you bike to volcano so it's just sort of talk us through your uh you know day one and how it panned out yeah absolutely day one was uh like it started off quite well it was a uh, Everyone, I think, got in the water and said, oh, man, it's going to be a fast swim today. And then it turned out to be exactly the opposite. Um, <laughs> there was, uh, there was some, there was some uh, backgrounds that seemed to be pushing people, um, you know, the opposite direction. And I was expecting to come out of the water, you know, somewhere under 220. And when uh, I took my last feed on the, off the boat at two hours, I was like, okay, I'm almost there. Just going to put my head down for 15 minutes and see what we can do. And <laughs> and then it was uh it was 40 minutes later i came out of the water so it was, it was definitely um some of the stronger currents i've ever swam in i would say um but i think all the athletes can uh appreciate just just how much of racing in kona whether it's ironman or ultraman um is you versus the environment it has nothing to do with uh with you versus someone else uh <laughs> that that swim was uh was it was a lot of fun at the same time though right so there's something about just being in that that big blue ocean and just being able to kind of get lost in your strokes that's quite enjoyable um and then just a really fast transition i thought that uh every every second i can gain is important so i tried for that sub one minute transition i think i was 101 and <laughs> 
got on the bike and immediately you climb up the hill um straight up to captain cook you're yeah. straight into it as soon as you're out of the water and that was uh that was a hard hard little push because you're swimming in a wetsuit in the ocean and obviously your core temperature goes through the roof and then you're immediately trying to warm your legs up so um that was uh that was probably the hardest part of the day for me was that very first climb and then got rolling pretty good on the bike been uh working with uh a new bike this year i was riding um you know a little bit more of a beam bike previously but i could never get the reach out of it given that i'm uh i'm over six five and um that was something that um julie suggested we really take a look at this year so i ended up getting on uh the speed max by canyon just you know if it works uh if it works for ferdino who's the same height as me it seemed like it might fit me so that was uh that was a good switch because i just i feel so much more comfortable when i'm stretched out like that so how how hard Um, are you pushing on the bike there is it more a half ironman effort kind of pace knowing you're not going to have to run off the bike or is it more of an ironman pace um it was it was hard i'm not gonna lie (laughs) because it was definitely empty emptier legs both days um i you know i probably weigh more than anyone else in uh in these races and um yeah you know like my 90 minute power for that final climb in the final five you know after five hours there i was still averaging 320 watts for that whole two hour piece almost so yeah um it's it's a constant grind that's just the way that i kind of developed my cycling from um past coaches like working with brett sutton he was always um pretty big on that that slower the slower turnover and then taking what i've learned from from julie and adapting that to that same sort of idea means that i feel like i can redline but i can also just um i can recover from it a little bit better than you know elevating that cadence to something that's really high so end of day one you had a you know had a nice buffer there you had about 14 minutes over rob gray and, and a pretty big um gap back to the, the rest of them tell, tell us how day two rolls um now because i know there's been a change in the course you don't go down where the volcanoes were, were happening or spewing out the lava so talk us through how day two actually happens and how it sort of panned out and i know there was some pretty uh brutal weather conditions yeah, I think we saw every every weather condition there could be on the island on that course. And I've never done the old course before, and I um, I actually was pretty specific in making sure that I didn't see it beforehand because I really wanted to race. Um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of make decisions based on how other people were um, going through the course, what they were doing, um, and just playing off that energy. The I think the the thing with Ultraman, maybe you know, obviously day one you're still is still very important with your crew. But I think once you're on to day two and three, like your crew, uh, the people that are out there supporting you, they just be you know they become more and more important as the day goes on and as the the event goes on because you're only as good as your support. And when you're racing for you know 24 hours, <laughs> um, everything matters. Like every nutrition drop, um, you go through highs and lows and on that bike was no uh no difference there's a big big climb um up over i wish i knew the the area better but it was up to waimea from the other yep. side of where you start in hilo um 
and we got just massive headwinds and rain and uh, everything but sleet, I would say. And there's water pouring down <laughs> the side of the mountain there. Yeah. Um, so in those conditions, you know, just having those positive people that are there with everything you could possibly want. Um, my girlfriend, Devin, um, my my friend from Calgary, Brad Sawa, and um, actually a, a good friend of your show, um, one of my, my clients here that I work for graphic design, Dave Duan, came out and... Uh, and supported me there. Nice. So, so yeah. Um, now, I heard uh, Arnold Sulikov, a uh, listener of the show as well, uh, took some fairly big risks on the downhill there and apparently hit 101 kilometers <laughs> per hour. Um, and he had the fastest spikes bike split there, so um, which was pretty bloody impressive. He's a 50 year old fella, so he's still going pretty fast. Um, so, how are you feeling at the end of day two, you know, knowing that you've got some good runners behind you? Um, I did have a question on here how big you were. You've already said you're 6'5, which in that sort of heat, uh, running a double marathon is, is um, oh. you know, you're giving away some, uh, some weight there to some of the little fellas. Um, how are you feeling at the start of end of day two and then going into day three? What's your strategy? Yeah, um, just finishing, I guess, that uh, that final uh, descent uh, from what I made. The, the winds were blowing really rough. And um, earlier in the day, I'd made, uh, I saw that Mark was making a move. Um, and he was obviously going to ride quite hard. And I was still with Rob at the time. So I, I let Mark kind of get away specifically. Um, give him a good 800 meters or a thousand meters. Cause I feel like, uh, if I, if I was to look at the, the way the field was transpiring, I thought, well, Rob's probably not going to put in a really big surge this early in the ride. So if I can let the gap happen and then surge my way back up, I might be able to just shake Rob enough that he's going for more of a consistent pace and, um, getting up that big climb was the big, uh, my big move on the day was pretty much, I just wanted to hit Waimea with him. Um, and he caught me just a little bit too early. He did, I, I was a little bit um, worried because he went by me like I was standing still with a, still a good probably two miles on the rest of that climb. But when I could see just in the, the distance that he hit one traffic light, I put the hammer down just to try <laughs> to catch him and uh, really, <laughs> really limit the gap that he could establish um, to the time that he got back that day. So, I think when we got across the line, uh, everyone, you know, I, I actually ended up catching Mark again um, right right before the line. <laughs> yeah. I felt a little bit bad going by him, but, you know, it's all strategy at that point to try to get every second you can. And it was, uh, it, was a, it was a fun way to set it up. You look around that parking lot after and everyone's, everyone's trying to talk a big game. Everyone's trying to look like they're not hurting, but everybody's hurting pretty bad. So, <laughs> so you know that's when you you have that moment where you're like all right well this race in a lot of ways is really only half over so it's all about setting up whatever you can do that night and getting into the the double marathon and um that's really where this race i think is uh is won or lost right because you can you can mess yourself up pretty bad (laughs) um just by riding a little bit too hard and um watching watching how that transpired in the morning was important um i i, I was very quiet all week like i really lo- love those guys and i love feeding off of other other people's energy but i just wanted to to stick to my own game and I, you know i don't think i said a word to to any of the competitors um through to almost the finish line just because it was it was more a matter of just watching and seeing where people had weak points and 
if that was something that you were able to race off of. So um, day three in the start has uh, has this big downhill, right? Like everyone knows the the drop from Javi. Yeah. Um, if you've been in Kona, so I worked off of um, the the strategy that you need to save those quads. And um, Arnaud and uh, Rob immediately were doing their um, their two mile plan, I believe, which Rob has used before. You know, you go two miles and then you walk and save those quads a little bit, stretch it out, and then get go in again. Um, I found that for myself, I'm I'm bigger, but uh, I found just running on the the rumble strips every uh every mile or so just for you know 15 20 seconds mixes up the neuromuscular pattern enough that you're able to just fire differently fire everything a little bit differently and then get back into it and then um that seemed to work pretty well for me on that part you had a bit of a buffer going at day three but it wasn't a huge buffer what was the strategy yeah i the the strategy all came down to um worrying about one person and that was the previous you know world champion um rob knows that game i think probably better than anyone um when it comes to that run so i i'd put in some really good workouts um back in calgary that were uh really kind of making me a lot more confident in my ability to go the distance and i just decided that i would stay one step ahead of rob the entire run um I felt like the uh, the training that I had done would justify that if I can run, you know, hopefully somewhere under three hours off the bike in an Ironman right now, that I felt like I might have that advantage on him. So running a little bit slower um, was was a, a, a unique feeling when you're not used to, you know, going for five-minute Ks for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my strategy just kind of came to staying – like I said, one step ahead of Rob and letting him play his um, his best race out. And then there was some surging I saw that was happening from behind, and my crew was really good at making sure that um, I knew what was going on and when it was going on. Um, and then we we he caught up to me as I was stopped at the light in uh, Waikoloa. So the that point where it's about forty k left, mm, yeah. um, I gave away the entire advantage I have, and he. We stood at the light together and just kind of acknowledged each other in some way or form. So I, I, I put in a surge right there and dropped it down to a good 430K just to get a gap again and show that I had fresher legs and um, just tried to work off that energy in my own mind the rest of the the rest of the run, just constantly um, build a little bit, build a little bit, and then um, climb really hard on Scenic. Did you know Mark Scenic was chasing you there. down? Um, um, I, I started paying attention to Mark um, and his splits at the three-quarter mark um, because we knew he was up ahead and we knew he could run really well because he's, you know, he's a phenomenal runner. Um, but I felt like with a 43-minute gap the that uh, you know he would probably have to run under 6.30 and he looked pretty wrecked the day before <laughs> on that bike. I, I, I didn't think it was it was maybe going to happen, but I think he proved us all a little bit wrong with just how great his running power prowess was on the day. And you start to see, oh wow, like, you know he's got he's got twenty minutes. Like that's not messing around. Like <laughs> he's not slowing down. So um, he was also just like you know such a consistent and quiet competitor that um, it's it's really uh, like fun 
to see that as someone who enjoys racing because you know it's it's usually not the uh the front runners that maybe um sneak up on you <laughs> so, so you went uh, ran seven hours 20 um to mark six hours 52 and rob said he uh blew up there towards the end so it was 720 uh around about what you were hoping you'd be able to run uh and did you have much left in the tank at the end yeah, um, I felt like um, just given some of the the training I'd done that like seven ten was definitely in the in the the tank somewhere, and you know I feel like that's what I was capable of. And, you know, when you lose the time, the extra time, it's not ten minutes <laughs> in in a run that long. I don't feel is much more than just um, where you find your mental resolve and uh, and when you start to make the moves and the little. The little mind games with yourself um, at that point in the race. I, I just think your crew is so important to you. And uh, I can't thank those guys enough again. And um, also just the support of everyone else. Like, obviously, the race directors are out there. Steve King, you know, he announced my one of my third ever races back in 1996. Mm. <laughs> so having him out, um, you know, he's such a legend of the sport. Um, but then just even even Rob's crew... You know, I saw them probably every 800 meters for that whole run. (laughs) Um, And they were incredibly supportive. There was, um, there's just a real sense of community around that day. Um, You know, day one and two, obviously, it's still a very tight knit group, but there's something about the double marathon and um, Ultraman that makes it so special to be out there on the Queen K where you're not really. or I guess you could say you're all in it together, right? You're all really just putting in some suffering and um, finding your limits in a, a way. That, so it's very mutually respective of everybody. What, what does it mean for you to win it? For you, you like? Yeah, no, um, I it means a lot. It's definitely up there in some of the podiums that I have had in my career. I'd say it's right near the top because um, I, I kind of grew up around that Penticton area and you know heard about Kevin Cutjar and um, how he won this crazy race out in Hawaii that you know only a few people went to because it was difficult and uh, so I, I had it in the back of my mind since I was probably 15 or 16 and it was something that I knew I always wanted to do I just didn't think I would maybe do it this soon in my career mm. um and yeah, it's it's just meant a lot to have this part of uh, of so many friends and you know people just in my own community and and the number of people that have reached out to me just since the wind. Um, you know, I've been spending a lot of time in in Boulder and um, you know my whole team has pretty much reached out to me in some way, shape, or form since uh, since the the race took place or ended just a few hours ago last night. So. So what's um, um, yeah? I'm just very happy. With that. What's your sort of plan after this? You know, again, I said um, previously you've you know you did Patagonia man. Obviously, didn't that didn't go great? Um, but you've won here. You've won Ultraman Canada. Is your focus more to go back to sort of racing the professional races where there's prize money on offer, or are you just going to kind of you know tick tick off things that you want to do? Yeah, I feel like um, my answer on that one is almost a two part. Uh, two-parter <laughs> my uh my focus is definitely to get back um to a form of fitness for iron man um my 
my entire existence in the sport of long course triathlon started with my passion for the race when it was in Penticton. And now that that race is back there, um, that's going to be my main focus going into next year. Um, getting to race on what I would consider to be my home course, short of maybe uh, Jeff Simons, mm-hmm. who lives there, um, is something that's like that feels very special to me. So I, I would like to go kind of all in on um, building a performance into that. Um, and I guess the the other thing is that like just to touch on your point with uh, with where the prize money sits for for athletes like me, you know, it's um, it's a funny world that. Um, professional sport has become for us in triathlon over the past couple of years. You know, it's um, you you see how much money has been divested. Um, you know, to maybe social media influencers mm-hmm. rather than professional athletes. Yeah. Um, and you've had to kind of got get to a point where you either you know you adapt to the way the sport is now. So I don't think that maybe prize money is the only way you can do it. I think um, I, I would like to work with more non-endemic um, partners and sponsors to to just see what endurance sport can do for those outside of our little bubble that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, a, a great way to grow the sport as well because the more we focus inwardly on um, you know, diminishing prize purses. I, I think it just becomes a little bit self-destructive because we aren't gonna we aren't gonna see you know a million dollar prize purse just pop up out of nowhere again and again. <laughs> um, but what we can do as individual uh, professional athletes is really just try to use the resources that we do have to expand the sport and you know hopefully create partnerships that do matter to other businesses that aren't involved. You know, there's a lot that can be said for being an endurance athlete and what you have to do and how that applies to other aspects such as business. So, Oh, it's pretty cool. You can call yourself a world champion now, a yeah. man world champion. Um, if, people, <laughs> if, if people want to follow you, you know, what's what's the best way? Uh, you do you, some great photography as well, I, I noticed. Um, so if people want to follow you, what should they do? Yeah, no, um, I, of course, always uh, – I really like the, uh, the Instagram platform because I grew up with a dad who uh, – was a photographer so photo is um something that i've always enjoyed it's just at jordan bryden um i do keep pretty active on on there um and then you know i i have no problem uh interacting with the community kind of on facebook and uh any any thing um twitter linkedin that sort of thing i don't don't spend a lot of time on forums because I work as a graphic de- designer uh, nearly full time uh, remotely. So I spend enough time on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Oh, we've got to let you go get some beach time, and um, yeah, fantastic yeah, effort with your race, mate. and keep up the good work with uh, World Triathlon Store as well. Yeah, um, big shout out to to those guys, and um, they have been really in my corner and. Um, I also just got to mention my friend Simon uh, Simon Cresswell from Calgary. You know, I I wasn't going to be able to afford to get to this race this year, and he stepped up and helped me out and okay. really made my dreams a reality. So he was a very big supporter of uh, of getting here this year. Fantastic, brilliant, mate. Enjoy your time in Kona. All right, thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. It was a great time. John, your thoughts? Yeah, it's cool. It's How a- fast do you reckon you could run a double marathon? The problem well, is after two days like that. Jordan was saying there he's a little bit under three hours for an Ironman marathon. I'd like to think I can do that. I've never done it. 
but I'm probably... You were three, three, what was it, three on the dot, was it? Three hours and like a handful of seconds in rote. Um, but I'd like to think on a, on a really good day, you could I could be just, just like a 2.59 or something like that. So I would like to think I couldn't run any faster than Jordan did there, seven seven twenty. I'd, I'd say I wouldn't be able to go that fast. My legs would blow out unless you did some, some pretty serious training for it. Uh, and you've got to remember, it's a cone of conditions. Running down yeah. the Queen K... For it ain't fun. It ain't fun, and it's just it's not that, it's, it's boring. Oh, it's just, you know what I mean? Like the Queen K, it's it's pretty as you drive down it. It's a bit interesting because it's a bit different to what you're normally going to see in everyday life. Uh, but I tell you what, if you're running straight up that road, <sighs> it's just long, straight. When you're on a bike, you're kind of moving through it pretty quick. It's a great service, so you're kind of actually moving at a reasonable pace, and so you're getting through those undulations. It's breaking and it up, it, and it's long, and just you just. Off in the distance, you see this road still straight up the road. Yeah, so it would be mental torture. But I guess that's what what the appeal is. You know, it's a, it's a bloody tough race. The bike rides hard, the swims hard. It's hot, uh, so there's nothing easy about that race. So yeah, well done. It takes, done a, it to, takes to, a true champion, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well done. Okay, John, let's do Wanger of the week, and I'm going to say a, a, a higher number today, somewhere between fifty and hundred. Bevan, seventy-three. Seventy-three. Why seventy-three? Just well, I just thought. What's the number between? Yeah, Josh. <laughs> Kleppis, he oh. did 11 hours, 34 minutes training, 2 hours and 1 minute swimming, uh, 5 hours, 41 biking, and 3 hours, 51 running. Linda Rowe, you just missed out by one place. Uh, Linda, you're second. so close. He's from Austin, Texas. He's got a few fancy... Hey, y'all. <laughs> Hi, y'all. So uh, he's got his sort of pictures along the top of his profile. He's got a picture on the left, which I'm assuming is some sort of brown smoothie he's made up. His second picture is a dead squirrel with blood all over the concrete. Oh. I think it's a squirrel. Uh, I don't see this. I don't see his photos. And then the third one is uh, is a picture of his running mates. He's got a picture of some skeletons on a bike. And then he's got a couple of other random pictures. So he's from Austin, Texas. Uh, and Have you ever been to that part of the world? I have not. No, Middle America eludes me, Bevan. I've been to Middle America. I loved it. I went to Houston. I went to Albaline, Texas. Yeah. Uh, so he sent a, P- sent a PR on the Barton Creek pedestrian bridge to dam, 33 minutes and 45 seconds, two days ago. And another PR on Slaughter to Aitkins High School Sprint, three minutes, 59, four days ago. And he got second fastest uh, time on a couple of other splits as well. So good work, Josh Kleppis. You are our winner of, of the week. week. Okay, Jumbo, questions and answers. Listening to this week's show on my a- uh, uh, this AM on my run, uh, what a run by Tyler. Just a bit more about Tyler Info and his dad. Oh, okay, so it's just basically, okay, so what we're talking about here is a couple of weeks ago, last week, was it last week? Uh, yep, I'm in Cosmo. He tore that race to pieces. And what we were talking about is that his mother was a high pedigree because she did the first Olympic trials for, to, for the American team. And so he's just, so he said, well, actually his dad's a bit of a legend as well. So he towed in the, a toad? They towed the line. I towed the line in the 1972 Olympics in Bermuda. And ran for Bermuda. For Bermuda. Oh, for Bermuda, sorry. Uh, ran the Commonwealth Games Marathon, finishing 17th. Wow, that's pretty good. One interesting fact is that Jim finished 7th in Kona in 1981. So that put Tyler's 5th in Kona in 2015, and you'll have the most successful father-son in Kona. And I do remember that, actually, discussing that, because he's now beaten his dad's record in, in Kona, and now he's beaten his mum's marathon time in an Ironman. 
He's got here, Bermuda has a terrific kids triathlon setup and is a pretty active and competitive triathlon scene. I had lost track of some of the kids, but suspect that there'll be another Flora Duffy on the horizon. And then John went and found this article about, do top athletes, kids, have an advantage other than just their genes? And I want to I do, I was going to do some research, I tried to, but I didn't have enough time to do it. Oh no, I chose not to make enough time That's to right, do John. it. That's um, right, because cool. But Peter Mills sent this through, um, all the stuff, because he used to live in Bermuda, and he said, not bad DNA in that family uh, with his mother's, Debbie's marathon exploits as long with his, his father's. And when people say it's in people's DNA, it, it gets me a little feisty, um, because I don't... Th- I would like to know what the science says about um, how much of it is inherited in terms of your phys- physical... Um, well, there, there are physical advantages. Uh, yeah, but how much of an influence is that? So I found one study, and this was actually done in New Zealand, and I don't know if you read it or not. I did. But um, yeah, I'd just like to know if there is more research out there looking at people's biological makeup and whether there is a strong influence that is passed on from elite parents to their children or not because I think more often than not it's a case that the parents are skilled and knowledgeable in their chosen sport and they pass that on they practice with their kids so it's more that you've just got that coach in your corner the whole time. And did you read the article? I did but it was over a week ago. Okay so so the key points from the article was there is some genetic benefit Mm -hmm. Um, there's also the benefit of having parents who are highly skilled in that sport and will often just kind of put their kid into the sports. Mm-hmm. There's also the un, the unspoken things, just the discipline parents will show kids just by their mm-hmm. own actions. Uh, also one that they don't identify here, which I think will be really important, is the networking the parents will have. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a high-level person, you'll probably know who's best coach to coach kids with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go back to Malcolm McElroy's Gladwell's book, Outliers, and he talks about how, you know, the kids who get in rep teams at a very young age basically have a better career because they have better development along their pathway. And so if you think about that with kids with high-level parents, you know, they're going to get better skill development along the pathway and if as well. I use my, my example my, my daughter she's won the Canterbury Ch- Triathlon Championships last oh, week so she, she smoked it she just absolutely killed it on the run um, and her advantage is she is well, you. the oldest kid in the in okay. her year group and she, so she's bigger than the others so her, she gets into her year group by one day okay uh, so and that's what Claybrook talks about yeah so that was a yeah. big advantage but then again I don't think physically she's moderately talented um, but yeah she's she gets coaching by me she knows what's going on she's in the try program uh, and that's a bigger advantage rather than her having a superior VO2 max or anything like that which there may well be but my VO2 max etc was always pretty rubbish compared to others so uh, I just think it's opportunities um, but yeah I'd like to see if there's more research out there I'm sure there is I just didn't allocate the time to do it but I'm interested in it it's a fascinating topic now here's an interesting one John I was just doing a podcast the other day and so John and I did research on this Pretty much all the time, okay, there are very rare occasions, sons are always taller than mothers. Right. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that. And I saw, because there's that Chinese basketball player. Um, Mao Ying. Mao Ying. And he was bred to play basketball. Mm-hmm. So the Chinese government said, well, let's get a tall, 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 two tall parents together. Mm. And so that's what this guy was saying. Well, if you want to breed basketball, make sure you grab a tall mum because mm. sons will always be taller than mothers. Right. Uh, and basically, then when Joe and I kind of did a bit of a quick Google on it last night, and it's basically true mm. um, that unless it's a real extreme example of a really short father and a tall mm. mother, basically, yeah, so it's, it's a kind of 
today's okay. bullshit fact for you. Really yeah, pretty it's on one. Google, it must be true. It's on Google, it must be true. John, we also had a, a world record happen over the weekend in the running world. The 10k distance world record got beaten this week or in the last kind of seven days uh, in a time that is pretty phenomenal. I just saw that, thought, I'm just going to chuck it in there because I thought it's just, it's always interesting to see how fast people 2638. Run. Yeah. Insane. So, what you so he opened up with a two minute forty two k, and then uh, we're banging out a two forty. He had to come home and under a two forty five to to get the record, and he easily did that. Beat the record by seven seconds. It was at the Valencia ten uh, k. So it was Joshua Kipchoge smashed the world record. It is mind blowing when you then put that in comparison to the two hour where he was sitting on two fifties. It does. It really does. It's, it's not. That much quicker? No, you would you would expect it to be a lot quicker, wouldn't you? Yes. You know, so like twenty six. So he was sitting on. Let's see, we'll put up the total splits here. So as an overall, he was sitting on. Let me go here. Bang, 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 bang. It's about two forty. Two thirty. Yeah, two thirty nines. Yeah. So he was doing two thirty nines compared to two fifties for forty two case. So he, this guy won the World Cross Country Championship in Denmark, 10,000 metre world champs, and now he's got the world fastest time over. How do you reckon he says his last name, Jombo? Joshua? Uh, Joshua Cheptegei. Cheptegei, I'll give that to you, because yeah. uh, I'm hopeless with names. But um, yeah, just awesome. Yeah. Just awesome. Just when you think records are never getting Well, wait a second, what's the 5K? Search, okay, 5K world record time. Wait a second. That was 26 something. So 5K, oh, 5K, yeah. I don't think it'll be that much. Average pace won't be that much quicker. Yeah, it might look. be like... I'm going to guess three seconds a K quicker. Okay. Well, That's going to be my, my guess of the day. Okay, let me pull it up here. So 5K world record is, uh, so 5K is 12 minutes. That's unbelievable. <laughs> 12, just even 12 minutes. 12 minutes, 37. Okay, 12, 37. No, so it's actually quite a bit quicker. Okay. It's uh, 231. Okay. Yeah, so it's eight seconds a K faster. Mm. Very impressive. So DKs are disappointing, really, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, very good, Jombo. Any other any other thing here? No. Let's, no. let's mention our patrons. Our patrons, indeed. If you want to become a patron on the show, you go to www.iamtalk.me. You become a patron. You get a cool nickname. And these people they are already... I, I did this last night. They've disappeared from me, Bevan. Oh, we've got Matthew Holtwick at Price of Pain. We've got Darren Double O Jones. We've got Ian White Lightning Hursley. It would help if I'm looking at the right show notes. I'm looking at last, uh, next oh, week's. Oh, because you transferred, didn't you? Yeah. You transferred. Uh, so those are all patrons. Thank you very much to those three. And if all the other patrons, thank you as well. If you want to become a patron again, just go to www.imtalk.me. You get a gift. Support the show. Also, you might want to trip to hang out with the boys next year in Kona. Uh, Jombo, uh, if you want to get show email to you, go to www.imtalk.me down at the bottom of the front page. If you want some coaching, check out coachjohnnewsome.com. If you want to check out my podcast, now I released that podcast with the director of IMRS, and it's the one about eating disorder on Netflix. Great documentary. I, I interviewed the director from that on my podcast, which I released yesterday, if you want to check that out. Uh, other content, such as Age Group of Week, cool websites, other feedback, email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. Well, last week we had you had a discussion around communication. Oh, how'd you go? How'd you yep. need to go? Didn't actually have a good, great communication week at home. Oh. Uh, but did you practice it? Uh, That's why you didn't do the didn't do the effort, did you? No, um, but I did notice that my communication to you was was heard. I noticed I came in today, and the uh, lights on the Christmas tree were turned off. So no, no, John, the lights are broken. <laughs> well, we're not quite sure what's happened because I, I was not happy. I walked up the stairs this morning. Oh, these guys, the lights could be. <gasps> No lights. Uh, I just saw a shadow of a tree. Yeah. 
So no, I wasn't, I wasn't it's listening to you. They should have been turned off during the day to save our lakes. And I think there was going to be a direct impact there for you, a negative impact for you, because you're using up all the power. Uh, a, you're wasting money. B, you're draining the water out of the lakes in Tekapo. And you've got a place in Tekapo, and I think as those lakes go down, the, pro- the property value you're going to get... Ex- ex- you know what, John, I actually read an article. Tekapo is the most growing place in the, in the country. It's, it's, it's booming, so... so. But, uh, <laughs> but as that lake d- diminishes over the years, your property's going to fall. Oh, you really so <laughs> Just, just turn the Christmas lights off, and I'm glad you listened. <laughs> Joe said they're broken, but she actually heard as well. She's just I'm fucking sure, them off I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what happened. What else? What's your gosh, John Boo? Um, yeah, it was a... Uh, had lots on at the weekend. Did you have your race? Or was it the weekend before? Uh, that was the weekend before. That's right, it was too. Had uh, the Philinator's wife, Jen's 40th on Saturday night. Well, I think I walked past his second 40th. When was that? On Sunday, we had our coaches catch up for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're walking past Winnie Bagos, and I'm pretty sure we were in here. And then I think I was, that's uh, her son's birthday party. Oh, was it the yeah. son's birthday party? I think so. Because then afterwards, they were walking past, but they were kind of walking. And they were yeah, they snobbed chance. you. They snobbed you. Yeah. Well, they, you. No, no, we snobbed them because they didn't right. see us. Okay. So Sorry, sorry, guys. But I will but, say, uh, it was a bit of a struggle uh, oh, yeah. taxi drive home. How much did that cost drive you? Home. No, it wasn't the cost. It was like, that window was open. And, Wait uh, a second, so where'd you go? We went out for dinner, but it was a it was an eight-course sort Take of thing. station? And had wine matching with every bloody course, and so I'd preloaded with a glass of wine, had a beer, and then getting through eight glasses of wine. I was, eight glasses of wine. They weren't full glasses, but I was, uh, I was. That was a struggle to get home. The window was open, and I was ready to evacuate pretty damn quickly if, if required. Taxi so, should have spew bags, eh? Sorry, taxi should, should have. Yeah. Because the thing is, it happens, and if you spew on a taxi, you're paying some money mm. because they, you've got to pay for the time they're off the road. So we we Ubered home. But only because I, I actually use a company, a New Zealand company called Zumi, which I yep. prefer to use because it's local. Uh, local. And the Zumi, the Zumi driver said to us on the way in, he said, uh, we, said oh, we, we use Zumi because um, we think you guys get a better fare out of it. Yep. And it's New Zealand owned as well, which I like. And so we actually, somebody pays their taxes for a change. Uh, and he said, yep, that we get 85% from um, Zumi. I think it's 82% from Ola and 75% from Uber. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, we like to use Zumi. But then we tried using the Zumi on the way home. And you know, you get your little map pops up and it shows yep. you with drivers no one's around booked it in booked that driver confirmed watching he just starts driving in the office direction just kept on going I thought cancel you so then you got Uber so then you spewed in the Uber you're not paying your taxes nearly that was close it was a bucket how were you feeling on Sunday better than expected oh wow yeah so what was the on eight courses what was the course you loved the most what was the course Uh, what did we have we had a bit of venison we had a bit of fish oh the dessert was pretty good yeah, no, dessert was pretty good. It had this sort of chocolate moussey type thing and there was a sort of sheer dessert. Now, was there was enough, John? Did you still have to get Maccas on the way home? There was enough, no. No, I have been to that occasion before where you're getting bite-sized mouthfuls, but they, these were, that was sufficient. Where'd definitely. you go? 27 Steps. Oh, someone else said we should go there. And the reason it's called 27 Steps because it's got 27 steps up to the door. It's pretty original. The, yeah. Pretty original. <laughs> So it was good times, Bevan. What's happening in your world? And, I, and we, we did have the, the, the primary schools triathlon last week, and I was Felicity got fourth. Thomas got no. Thomas got fourth, and Felicity got first. So that where did my awesome. friends' kids get? They going any good? Kate's kids. Yeah. Don't know. No, can't have been that well. Can't, yeah. Sharpen up, Taylor's. Sharpen up. Mm. Bevan, what's happening for you? Well, John, I'm in a lot of pain. A lot of pain. A lot of pain. John. A lot of groaning when you get up. Oh, oh. yeah, oh. I'm definitely in groan factor. And like, I have to use I have to use the double steps down the steps. Oh, yeah. So you do one foot down, then you get the other foot like an Goodness, old man. That does sound serious. Well, what happened, John, is we're having, 
at the gym they've got this um, app challenge right now and it's basically it's kind of a fun team building thing where you get points if you turn up to the gym if you do a workout something. and it's just this kind of thing and it's actually really it's, everyone's engaging it's quite fun but each week they put a fitness workout out and I have to win John mm. I have to win yeah, yeah. you know because yeah. I'm kind of known as the fittest guy at the gym mm. and I'm getting a little bit older 42 a lot of young kids out there, John, mm. and so I just got, I just need to know, you know, the old bugger still got it. Yeah. So there was twelve press ups, max, just as fast as you can. Then you've got to jump over, a, it was about forty five inches. Yeah. I can't be forty. Or about, yeah. Fifty centimeters. Yeah. Yep, whatever. Seventy five. A box jump basically, so you had to jump on mm-hmm. to the other side, so you're jumping on and over. Mm-hmm. Turn around, jump on and over back. And you've got to do 20 of those, then 12 press-ups again. Bam, 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 bam. So it's basically a CrossFit challenge, is it? Kind of really. It took me, yeah. it took me three minutes 50. <sighs> Just a jumping. I bet. Like, and I do a lot of jumping anyway because of the classes yeah. I teach. But, oh, my God, John, I'm not in a happy place. So you've got to put your game face on when you're walking around the gym, though. You won't be doing any two-step walks when you're at the no, gym. No, mate, no. They, yeah. Yeah, they, they think I'm, yeah. rip down the gym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling sprightly today, team. Yeah, yeah but we go for a run, fellas. <laughs> We've got another challenge this week because it's happening for three weeks. So there's another challenge this week, but I think I could probably take that out without so much jumping. You gotta, you just gotta let him know, guys. You gotta let him know his boss. Still on top. Know his boss. Um, other than that, John. Oh, okay. Christmas shopping. Have you done yours? Uh, we d- I discussed that with my communication with Linda this morning uh, around the Christmas shopping and my lack of, and she was fine with my lack of shopping, which is great. And I and I reaffirmed that several times. I used your technique, so I'm just making sure <laughs> I haven't got much for you. And that's fine. She's I'm, I'm Boxing Day shopping. She, I said that's fine. Just. Wait, I repeated that several times. Wait, so you're just the only the only thing you do in the Christmas shopping for the whole family is just get Belinda's present, um, and my niece and nephews, and so and I've I've got I've got a few other presents, but um, for her, I've just got a present, a small present from the kids each. She wants to go hard on Boxing Day. Sales. So you're basically saying the the the, the, the credit card the credit cards coming out on Boxing Day. Okay, mm. she and she. It's reaffirmed several times. She's I going have, hard. I've, I've made sure she's going hard. that I'm not in the dog box and it's been confirmed. Have you put a limit on the Visa card? No. Oh. Mm. At what price do you go, you've gone too far? Because one time we had some friends over for dinner. We love entertaining. And Joe, Joe spent like 250 bucks on a dinner for just like for two people. Mm-hmm. And, and we're really good with money. But I did go, babe, what what price point do you she comes home five thousand no <laughs> there's no way she's not getting into four digits <laughs> <laughs> okay four digits she or she's in trouble yeah okay very good Stephen. uh no but i haven't finished my story i know you're going christmas shopping so friday mm-hmm. joe i'm making a list yeah joe said to me 30 times last week we need to make a list mm-hmm. i even tried to front foot it Mm-hmm. I've tried to say, hey, let's. Go. I think I've talked in the bit. Yep. Still get reminding me. Yep. Good, made this list. Made the list. We we Black Friday. Everything's cheap as. So you think? Well, I think it was. I heard somebody with a study the other day. They Saying tracked, they screw you. No, they tracked eighty-three items throughout the year, and only five of them were cheaper during Black Black Friday sales. I, I would. I think we got cheaper. Yeah, on some things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think overall. Um, we had Quality triathlon entertainment. Oh, people love this. On. Had all our Christmas shopping done in two hours. Nice, that's what I like. Done, John. There's yeah. no, it's not that oh, I've got to whip down and get Nana a present. Yeah. Done. Sweet. The only, I've just got to buy for Joe. Mm. So you're that. not done that. Like, <laughs> done everybody else but the most. But no, my, my wife's a little bit different to your wife because my wife's a tight ass. Yeah. So she, she's she been pulling out the let's not buy presents thing. Mm. I'm not into that. Mm. You've got to buy something. You've got to buy something, John. What do you yeah. want for Christmas? Um pretty boring stuff 
I want a new. We're getting a, just a new suitcase. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Exciting stuff. I want a piano. Yeah. I normally don't want for much. Yeah. I do want a piano. I'm not going to get a piano, but I want money towards because I want yeah. a piano. Anyway, John, you're waffling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russ. <laughs> I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick up. Up.